0: Brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. Don't leave home without it. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
1: In 79 AD, an angel and dark angel did the unthinkable. The result of this union was a child who would be the map to Pandora's Pythos. Neither the angels in heaven nor the agents of the morning star could allow this child to be born. They took... dramatic action.
2: I thought the eruption of Mount Vesuvius buried Pompeii.
1: It did, thanks to the angels. They decided it was better to liquefy 16,000 souls with boiling lava than allow that child life.
3: You're trying to say that Fiona's pregnant? And I'm the father?
1: If it were only that,
2: I would have sent a card. The legs and the beast they belonged to were thankfully nowhere to be seen. Fiona lay on the bed.
4: What was that? Who let that horrible man in here?
1: It's okay, Fiona. I'm going to give you something that will help you rest. That evil man tricked us into letting him in here.
4: Perhaps you should consider increasing your security. I have a feeling others will be coming for me.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, please remain calm and in your seats. The flight crew is working to resolve this event. Resolve this event? What does that mean? Oh, sweet
6: Jesus! It's going to be okay, Sister Odelia. God will watch over us. Sister Fiona, are you okay?
4: Are you really that stupid? A demon child is about to pop out of my muff like a demented jack-in-the-box. This plane is going down faster than your friend's fate. God will
5: save us, Fiona.
4: God is the one who put us here.
5: This is Fiona's fault. Something is trying to kill the demon spawn she is carrying. Why did I let you talk me into flying with you to America? (laughs) That has activated the oxygen. Please put your mask in place before putting it on any children talking with you and- this is
4: wonderful. My last minutes on Earth are going to be with Susie Sunshine and her rude smelly sidekick.
5: I do not smell. You may as well know the truth about me. You ladies need to put- Oh my lord. You. The one named Fiona. You're the reason we're going to die. You evil harlot! Your mother should have been burned at birth rather than squeeze something as vile as you into the world. Let me kill her! Get back! Get off her!
4: Flight attendant, if I were at my regular power, I would make sure you spent two days in the burning wreckage, watching your flesh bubble and burst, smelling your skin slowly roast, knowing you die alone and with no one to care for your cats.
5: If I kill you, this will end... No, she's a pregnant woman. Leave her alone. Odelia, help me. Oh, What does it matter? We are going to die in a ball of flame. Huh? Passengers, lift, Lumber. Have faith, sister. You will survive this. Let me at her. She is a demon. Succubus. Faith, Sister Maria?
4: Your god is the one crashing this plane. The child I carry frightens him so much, he would kill 300 innocents just to make sure this baby isn't born. I am a dark angel, but your god is truly the evil one.
5: No! My god is a loving god! It would not do that! Kill her and we all live. Take the demon's
2: life Sister suffering. All hope rests with you.
5: No!
6: Sister Odelia,
5: help me! I think this journalist is right. Kill Fiona and save ourselves. Would you kill me then, Sister Frenchie? Could you
4: take the life of the one you swore to protect?
5: It is getting easier by the moment.
6: Stop it! Help me hold them back! This is a pregnant woman you're attacking! Kill her, kill her, kill her!
5: I can wrap the tube from the oxygen mask around her throat!
6: Stop it! Stop it! Kill her! Kill her! Kill her! her. No! She's a child of the Lord! Leave her alone! What happened?
5: Are you okay?
4: Yeah, just ducky, air slut.
5: What happened? Why am I holding this tubing? What's the last thing you remember? Uh, The oxygen mask dropping. Praise the Lord! Don't be so sure, Maria. Ladies and gentlemen, I just spoke with the cockpit. The pilot and flight crew have resolved the issue and assured me we will be landing at Hartsfield-Jackson International in 20 minutes.
4: (laughs) I told you both! God watches over us! Well, someone was watching. I'll give you that.
3: Magic and magical people. The unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. I was in the Three Little Piggies Cafe, about to enjoy a double bacon, double ham, and double cheese omelet. The breakfast of champions. What's that? What about my cholesterol and arteries? Haven't you heard? My body heals itself from almost anything. This little omelet was calling my name. I'd been back at work a few days, and my phone hadn't stopped ringing. Lieutenant Johnson wanted to talk to me, a couple people wanted to hire me, and three wanted to interview me. Apparently, when you fall out of the sky and survive, it's a big deal. According to the agents from the National Transportation Safety Board, Finney and I were the only two passengers on what appeared to be the largest remote-controlled, pre-programmed private plane in the world. Not a drone. An actual twin-engine, passenger-hauling aircraft. They were full of their own questions, which I answered as best as I could. Finney and I were held somewhere in South America, at the Raich Institute. Beyond that, I had nothing to share. Speaking of my little lawn gnome friend, I hadn't seen Finney since he took to the breeze from the hospital. I needed a break from everyone, and the Three Little Piggies Cafe was my solace. My oasis in a city of cement, glass, and the occasional elder god. Mmm, this omelet looked good.
6: Mr. Strange! Mr. Strange!
3: Oh, crap.
6: Where's my honey-poo?
3: Delana, please, join me.
6: I have been more than patient with you, Mr. Strange. Where is my little Finny?
3: Well, technically, you've never hired me to find Finny, Delena. You just came into my office, made some demands, insulted my assistant, and ran out.
6: That's how you want to be, Mr. Strange? Fine.
3: What's this? Open it. It was an old brown paper bag that smelled like rotten fish. I pushed my plate away. I tried to look in the bag while touching it as little as possible.
6: Don't be such a diva. (sighs) Here, let me do it.
3: There was over $500 in 20s... Can
6: I consider you officially on the case now?
3: Sure. This'll cover a few days.
6: Understand me, Strange. Finny is my honey-poo, and I will stop at nothing to get him back. I don't like being disappointed.
3: Are you threatening me?
6: Mr. Strange, have you ever heard of the Tauzoli of blood?
3: That was a Roger Corman movie,
6: right? That was what they used to call me. I was not a nice woman. I did things. Bad, kinky things. There was a cult who would give me blood sacrifices. They would beat and kill their children Just to please me.
3: Oh, was that it? Is that how bad you are?
6: Please.
3: You're gonna have to do better than that to impress me with your evil credentials, toots. I know Lilith.
6: (laughs) Lilith, puta! My goddess would grind Lilith into filth. Yeah, that's
3: easy to say when Lilith isn't here.
6: I would say that if she were here, Mr. Strange, Lilith is little more than a bloated ego in a size-two dress. I once convinced a man to molest and kill his parents because he thought I held his salvation. When he was done, I wore their skin as tribute and fed him to my hogs.
3: Okay, so you're psychotic. I got it. Look, you paid me. I'll do what I can to find your honey poo. Finny. You have my word.
6: I hope so, Mr. Strange. I try to be a good person, but I always have these homicidal urges.
3: You and half the planet, toots.
6: It's much worse if I get it. Trust me. I have a suite at the Tachi. I expect to hear from you in three days. Goodbye.
3: Delena walked away. If she were my wife and looking for me, I probably would have blasted into the ether as well. I took the money and put it in my pockets. Daisy, my favorite waitress, would be getting an extra-large tip today. <laughs> Finney owned a new-age novelty shop a couple of blocks away from the cafe. The Minotaur's cave did a thriving business among the metaphysical hippie pagan wannabe types. Just before he went missing, he and his store won a Business of the Year award from the Nightfall's Chamber of Commerce. Beyond the natural folk who shopped here, Finney did a thriving business with Unnaturals as well. Finney took the Unnaturals to the back of the store where a special room held potent spells, ingredients, crystals, potions, and notions. For an obnoxious little weasel who would sell his mother, or friend, to the highest bidder, Finney was doing well for himself. I wasn't sure how Delena fit into Finney's life. He had never mentioned having a wife, but that wasn't too surprising. Finney tried to mate with any female, human or unnatural. Maybe Delena was his wife. He started to tell me the story about her, but it wasn't really the right time. Kinda wish I had let him speak. Hmm. The front door to his shop was open, which was odd because the closed sign was still in the window. I drew my gun and stepped inside. Great. The clanging bell over the door may as well have lit me up in neon. Now that I lost my element of surprise, I walked quickly, but cautiously, to the back. I passed a display of crystals, and I thought I heard something from the special room of the store. On the counter with the register were several rows of turquoise jewelry and scented candles, undisturbed. The register was in place and closed. The back room was where Finney kept the real magics. The door was as heavy as a bank vault, and it was unlocked. Oh, good God! The smell brought water to my eyes and made my stomach churn. It was a good thing I didn't eat that omelet, because it would have been all over the floor right now. I put my gun away and hit the lights. The putrid smell of body gases filled the room like a festering piece of meat in a dead refrigerator. It didn't take long to find it. I just followed the smell and the buzzing of the horseflies. There was a body in the corner. It was Finney! No, wait. It looked like Finny. Similar build, about the right size. But it wasn't him. This poor sap was 100% human. Flies and vermin had been at the corpse's exposed skin, leaving a patchwork of yellowing flesh, sinew, bones, and coagulated blood. From the body's facial structure, I was mostly sure it was a man. The skin on the side of his face was gone, exposing part of his skull. I couldn't tell what killed him, but I don't think death came quickly. Had he broken in? He didn't look like a robber, and he was leaning against the wall. It was as if someone had placed him here. His hoodie was gray and black without any branding. On the bottom of the zipper, which had been pulled up to his throat, was a red merchandise tag with the word SOLD in white letters. Under that, in cursive, were the words, UNZIP ME. I unzipped his hoodie, exposing a bare, hairless chest, with the words, WOLF ROAD, Cemetery, MESO 12. It looked as if someone had taken an orange glowing fire poker and seared the words, one painful letter at a time, into this unfortunate soul. But who was the message for, and how long had the corpse been here? A quick scan of the room didn't show anything out of place. I mean, other than the meat sack on the floor. This wasn't a robbery gone wrong, and brisket boy didn't have any ID on him. Someone must have just dropped him here. But why at Finney's shop? Finney had been missing for almost a year, and anyone watching his place would have known that. Finney and I didn't get back to town until last week. From the looks of the cadaver, he'd been here about two weeks. What the hell? None of this made any sense. I suppose there was only one way to find out.
5: Are you kidding me? How did that aircraft land
6: in nightfalls? How is that possible? Who would dare rise up against us? How could she have known?
5: Summon her.
1: Have the cherubim requested my presence? We
5: have... Gabriella, as I replay the events from the other day. That is the transatlantic flight with Sister Maria, Sister Odelia, and Fiona. Six seraphim appear and force the plane down. There aren't any mechanical issues that the flight crew can discern. Up until this point, everything was going as planned. You are the
1: one who sent the seraphim? You meant to crash the plane?
5: Of course we did. Fiona and her child must die.
1: There were 324 innocents who would have died along with her.
5: Ah, collateral damage. An acceptable number in exchange for Fiona.
1: When did we get into the business of killing innocents?
5: When did you get into the business of disobeying authority? No one told me about this attack. We are not required to share our plans with anyone. That includes archangels such as yourself. Perhaps if you had told me, your seraphim would still have
1: their heads. You massacred six of our brothers. Six of
5: your brothers. My brothers would not kill innocents. Wasn't it you and one of your brothers who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? (laughs) That was hardly the same thing. And Mount Vesuvius? (laughs) Didn't you and your brother and a few dark angels cause the eruption that killed the people of Pompeii and boiled the entire population of Herculeum? We did, but... You did it for the same reason. To prevent the birth of the child of a demon and an angel. We did it on the word of the Lord of hosts, not the order of
1: some pudgy baby angels.
5: We have full authority in this matter. We are tired of your insolence and disobedience, and you've mocked us for the final time. Do you realize your interference may have put us at war with the Morning Star and his dark angels? I thought we were at
1: war with the Morning
5: Star and the demons. In this matter, we and the Morning Star are in complete agreement.
1: Am I hearing this correctly? We are working with Lucifer now?
5: Why don't
1: you ask him yourself? The Morning Star is here in heaven.
5: He will be shortly. <laughs> we are convening a council of seven to decide your punishment. The Morning Star has agreed to be the seventh member.
1: The Father must be on one of his creation jaunts. That's the only way the Morning Star would be allowed to set here without instantly being cast into the pit of fire.
5: We have guaranteed the Morning Star safe passage. We will break bread with him tomorrow, and he will be assisting in determining your fate tomorrow afternoon. That's obscene! Nothing, a
1: council on which the devil sits, will be relevant to an archangel.
5: Pride, Gabriella, is the worst sin, and you have it in buckets. It oozes from your paws like a human cancer. The stench of it is offensive to us. You will stand before the council, and you will abide by our decision. Leave our sight!
3: A wrought iron gate blocked the path into Wolf Road Cemetery. Master ironworkers forged this fence back in the day when craftsmen took pride in their work. Intricate carvings of ravens, crosses, and religious iconography decorated the gate, and each spindle was topped with a four-pointed arrowhead. I pushed the gate open. The squeaking of the hinges sounded like a woman crying. I stepped into the cemetery. The crescent moon looked as if someone had carved a tiny grimace into the black sky. Flat, pale light cast unnatural shadows of the grave markers, turning them into elongated demons and gargoyles. Mausoleums became the teeth of some unknown elder god. A breeze chilled me and carried a scent of despair and death. These old cemeteries were designed as labyrinths, the thinking being that the spirits wouldn't be able to figure out the maze and they'd be forced to stay in their graves. Unfortunately, the only thing the maze did was make it difficult for humans to get to the center. This part of the cemetery was mostly above-ground mausoleums and also the oldest section. The mausoleums were concrete and brass with pillars supporting stone roofs. They would last longer than man would be the dominant species on the planet their brass doors offering a heavy barrier between the living and the dead. An old man wearing a black suit was standing next to one of the crypts. It was almost midnight, a little late for a visit to a loved one. His gray hair hung in anemic patches on his pale head, and his suit was well past its expiration date, threadbare at the elbows and almost worn through on the shoulder blades. I passed the old man, but I wasn't close enough to say anything to him. Maybe he was a devoted widower. If he was there out of loneliness, who was I to break his solace? And if he was there for mischief-making, well, I'd find that out soon enough. I was about a hundred yards from the first mausoleum erected in the cemetery, and it was almost midnight. I heard a twig crack behind me. Harry, strange. It was the old man. Up close, his skin matched the color of the stone crypts that surrounded us. Some of his facial bones had rubbed through his flesh, and his teeth were visible through his cheek. His eyes were glassed over in milky white. In the 85 or so years I've been doing this job, this was the first time I'd seen an actual zombie. Harry
6: Strange,
3: we've been waiting for you. Have you now? We sent a message two weeks ago. I've been busy. There was a movement in the corner of my eye. Another corpse, this time a woman dressed in a ball gown, approached from the left. That is not acceptable. When we summon you, you must appear. Who is we? Whom are we? There are many of us. We are legion. Really? The we are legion line? Don't you guys ever get tired of that? Three more zombies approached, each wearing their burial clothes. Their ages were almost impossible to determine, but they were all coming this way. I backed away, still moving toward the mausoleum.
6: Not impressed, Strange?
3: No, not really. My hand closed on my dagger of Yago. Perhaps this will impress you. <laughs> the old man exploded. Bits of him flew everywhere. His bones cut through me like shrapnel from a grenade. Crap! Damn it! Ah, you old bastard! I ducked behind a stone statue of death kissing a woman draped in sheets. The old man was mostly dust on the inside, so there wasn't as much goo to contend with as there would have been if he were alive. I started to crawl away and pressed my hand in the dirt. The grave exploded. It was as if I had pushed in a landmine. Dirt splinters from the coffin and bone tore through my raincoat. I was bleeding from 50 different small wounds. I had to get back to the car and get out of here. I was working my way toward the center of the cemetery when a tennis shoe-clad foot stepped in front of me. It was attached to a teenager wearing a letterman's jacket. His forehead was caved in and his teeth were shattered. He looked as if he'd lost a fight with a steering wheel. I thought he was trying to smile at me.
5: What do you think of our exploding coffins, Mr. Strange? (laughs) Doesn't it just... Kill ya <laughs>
3: What do you want?
5: We wanted you to uh be on time.
3: Yeah, well that ship has sailed. What do you want now? My wounds were small and they were healing quickly, but the blood loss was not as easy to fix.
5: Watch this. It's gonna blow you away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the kid corpse was holding the stone head of a statue in his hands. He tossed a few graves in front of me. It landed in the center of the grave. My face felt like the sun had exploded in front of it. The heat seared me and the smell of my hair burning was overpowering. Multiple graves exploded in quick succession.
5: That was near the gas line. There's no going back to your car now, strange. Get to the center.
3: A statue of an old guy with a beard and wearing a monk's robe looked down at us. What's waiting in the mausoleum?
5: That would spoil the surprise, Mr. Strange. No spoilers today. Happy trails.
3: (laughs) Son of a bitch. The kid smiled his shattered smile and exploded. He was considerably fresher than the old man, and I was doused not only in bone and flesh, but gallons of embalming fluid. You never get the smell of that crap out of your clothing. I ran as fast as I could while trying to avoid stepping on graves. I didn't know which ones were set to explode and wasn't sure how much more abuse my body could take. A carbon fusion would bring me back from critical damage. But I was fresh out of Pop-Tarts and didn't see any potatoes lying around. I didn't want to face what was waiting for me in the mausoleum at low strength. Son of a bitch! I touched the edge of that grave and the explosion sent me rolling over two other landmine graves. I finally came to rest against a statue of a weeping angel. Perfect. Hey, Strange. Those graves are kicking your ass. Bet you could use a friend. Too bad you don't have any here. <laughs> Great. A Tom Savini look-alike biker corpse was limping toward me. You look like the southbound end of a northbound donkey, Bo. Bet you didn't see any of this coming, did you? I was crawling backward from him. I had played this game before and I wasn't going to get caught again. This would have been so much easier if you had just gotten here on time. What is this obsession you dead bastards have with time? It's not like you're going anywhere. (laughs) But you are strange. There is a bitch seat in hell with your name on it. (laughs) That laugh. No, it couldn't be. I'd been slowly unholstering my forty-five. Tom Savini's head jerked backwards as he took three wooden core, silver-coated forty-five slugs in the head. Thick yellow fluids poured from each of the wounds. The corpse stumbled around trying to get his footing. Uh... He felt the holes in his head with his hands. His tongue, which was little more than a slab of brown and black meat, licked out, tasting the formaldehyde. Bet you didn't see that coming, did you? Well played. I ran toward him. He wasn't expecting that either. I picked him up and threw him toward the center mausoleum just as he exploded he blew the door off the place. I stepped in behind him, gun drawn. I looked left and right, nothing but some ossuaries, two coffins, few urns, and an altar. The brass door hung uselessly on its hinges. Outside, the fire continued to burn. The ossuaries exploded, and I took three direct hits. Bone shrapnel sliced through my hand's flexor muscles, causing my fingers to go limp and my gun to drop. My legs went weak, and I crawled to the back of the mausoleum, trying to get out of the line of fire ossuaries continued to explode, sending bone fragments spinning through the air like circular saw blades. My upper chest and shoulders were a mass of torn skin and blood. I couldn't move my right hand and the left one felt as if a thousand burning splinters were worming around in it. There was a lot of my blood on the ground. I started to see the world swimming away.
0: (laughs) Don't leave me yet, Mr. Strange.
3: No, it can't be. I buried you in that abbey.
0: Current events say otherwise.
3: (laughs) You're just a puppet. Like those corpses out there.
0: Right about them. Wrong about me.
3: I should have known it was you. Who else would send exploding corpses after me?
0: (laughs) It does have my certain flair to it, doesn't it? But why would you have figured that out? You were never that clever.
3: I've beaten you every time we've met. If I'm not clever, what does that make you?
0: <laughs> An unfortunate victim of circumstance. But really, Harry, look at you. You're bleeding worse than a hemophiliac in a sword factory. <laughs> I've seen corpses in better condition than you. Hell, I've tortured people who ended up in better shape than you. <laughs> By the way, what did you think of my messenger at Finney's shop?
3: My body was repairing the damage. Several of the smaller gashes cleaned and sealed, the flesh pulling back together as if an invisible zipper was joining the two sides. It just wasn't happening fast enough. The only thing we need to talk about is how you're gonna die.
0: (laughs) Always so, macho. I really should have had you castrated when I had the chance. Oh, and... Don't think your miraculous healing powers will help you.
3: When Kay snapped his fingers, the lids of the coffin slid open. A woman in her late 60s stepped out of one, and a male, presumably her husband, sat up and stepped out of the other. The woman grabbed my arms, and the man took my dagger of Yago and sliced my arm. What the hell, Kay?
0: I need your attention, and Theodore and his lovely bride Esther are going to ensure it. And any time I think you are looking a little too fresh, a little too healed, Theo is going to cut you with your dagger of Iago. (laughs) Hoisted by your own petard, if you will. (laughs) I love the irony.
3: Oh, Christ. Just kill me.
0: (laughs) just kill you? Oh, Harry, we both know I can't kill you. No one can. Well... No one here, anyway. Just like no one here can kill me. That's right, Harry. Let that sink in for a moment. Ever wonder why I don't die? Why I keep coming back over and over like the villain in a teenage slasher movie?
3: Kay leaned in close and whispered in my ear.
0: We're the same, Harry. We're nothing true? alike. Did you really believe you were her first? (laughs) That you broke her metaphysical cherry? What the hell
3: are you talking about?
0: (laughs) You were not Gabriella's first favorite or her first champion. (laughs) I was.
2: Very Strange, Episode 311, An Unfortunate Victim of Circumstance, was written by Tony Serechia and directed by Jason Tyler. Sound designed by Molly Silverman. All material is copyright 2015 by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Haley Fuchsia, Trisha Groves, Emily Jane, Kellen Stennett, Jackie Costello, Leanna Adams. Michael Donnellan and Joe Roche. To keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash harrystrangeradio. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at harrystrange.com. For comments that may be included on future shows, call the listener hotline at 678-379-8669. That's 678 379 Tony. Harry's opening and closing theme music was written and performed by Ryan Lassard and is copyright by Ryan Lassard and used with his permission. Contact Ryan at rlassardmusic@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyright by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission. Visit incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Sound effects licensed by Soundsnap.com. For the Harry Strange radio drama, I am Joanne Prudem. Good night.
0: Sweet Sue has been tied to the railroad tracks. Will our hero save her? Well, of course, the hero always prevails on Thriller Thursdays. I'm John Bell, the hero that rarely prevails in Bells in the Bat Free, the comedy show you can hear every Friday Follies and a bunch of
5: Sunday showcases. Oops, looks like the hero may have been a tad late there.